what he did is he went ahead and applied to school. And he got accepted in school. Now the question is, how do I raise this money? So he did not just end there. He went ahead and he started buying clothes. He was buying shoes. He was buying different things. So if you know who this is, just keep quiet. Don't give spoilers to your neighbors. So he would buy clothes. He would buy shoes. And he was raising money slowly until he got to a point where he raised enough money for him to start school. He met that threshold. And then God sat on his throne. He sat on the edge of his throne and he called his angels and he said, come. Look at this one. Look at the faith that he has shown. He's not looking at those people around him. He's trusting in me. And God met that faith. And this is a true story. I'm not making this up. What happened then was he was given a scholarship of 25%. So 25% off of his school fees from the time he starts up until the time he ends his school. He had a scholarship of 25%. In addition to this, God provided a person through a family friend that said, I know you want to go into school, and I'm going to pay your school fees from now up until the time you finish this school. In addition to this, not just this, it doesn't end there. There is someone within the church that he was going to that said, I will support you. I will give you a monthly, from whatever I'm earning, I will give you a small monthly um, allowance to help you with whatever you need in terms of transport and food and all of that. And this is a true story, and this is how God met his faith. Now, within this story... This person had the option of saying, I'm going to sit back. I'm looking at my circumstances. I don't think I can go into school. Or he had the second option of saying, I'm going to stand on God's word, knowing that he is my provider. I will stand on his wisdom, and I believe that he is going to push me through school. And that speaks to the testing that we receive. So each and every one of us, testing is a crucial part of Christianity. Throughout the Bible, we see that God has tested many of his people. And when we are tested, we have the, the choice of saying, I'm going to follow God's path. I'm going to stand on his wisdom. Or we're going to go on our own. Or we might even fall into temptation and stray away from God. Testing is not something that we can run away from as believers. We can't run away from it as believers. And we must therefore begin preparing for it. Now, I'd like to start by... This message by, we're, going, we're doing this old school. So we'll start from the Old Testament all the way into the New Testament, giving some examples of how God tests us. We start from the very beginning of the Bible. If you look at Adam and Eve. So when you read the Bible in Adam and Eve, you understand the sort of relationship that God wants to have with us as his people. So you see, God has wanted to rule over the earth in partnership with us, meaning that us as humans would need to trust in God's wisdom over our own wisdom. So God places Adam and Eve inside the Garden of Eden. And God tells them, you can eat from any tree within this garden. However, at the center, God put these two trees. One was a tree of life. And then the other one was the tree of knowing good from evil. And he said, do not eat from the tree of knowing good from evil. This was a test from God. Is Adam and Eve going to trust me, trust in my wisdom? They have dominion over everything. I've said they can eat from any tree, but don't eat from the tree of knowing good and evil. Or are they going to go off on their own and fall into temptation? And you see that, unfortunately, Adam and Eve fell into temptation. The devil came and tested them. You see, by ourselves, the devil, when we're being tested, the devil can come and tempt us. Sometimes it is out of our own human nature. It's not always the devil. I remember a time... 
each time we had a worker when I was very young, he would always steal, like he would steal a shirt of mine, a shirt of my brother's, and he would always say, ah, ni satana mwanti, ni satana. It's not always the devil. Sometimes our own human nature is like that. And I see this in my, I saw this in my daughter. Not saying that my daughter is sinful, but let me finish. You see, <laughs> I don't know where she gets this from, but she's only 11 months old. She's never seen me hit her mother. She's never seen anyone be violent. But if you upset her, the slap that she's going to give you, she can even bite you. And I wonder, <laughs> where does this, where has she learned this? So, yeah, you see, in the story of Adam and Eve, Adam and Eve chose to stray away from God's path. They ate, they ate of the tree of knowing good and bad, and it diverged them from God's instructions and God's wisdom. Fast forward a few chapters. We see the children of Adam and Eve, Cain and Abel. So this is the second test that we see in the Bible. Now we're not even, we haven't gone many chapters in and we're already seeing the second test. So Cain, Adam's son, has an opportunity to pass a test and restore God's trust in us. So Cain, who was a farmer like Winnie's mom, and Abel was a sheep farmer. They both present sacrifices to God. God was pleased with Abel, but he was not pleased with Cain. And this made Cain very, very angry. When he was angry, in his anger, God spoke to him and he said, and you find this in Genesis from verse four, from chapter, Genesis chapter 4, from verse 6 to 7. So the Lord said to Cain, why are you angry? Why has your countenance fallen? If you do well, will you not be accepted? And if you do not do well, sin lies at the door and its desire for you, but you should rule over it. So here you see the second test. Cain has an opportunity to either present a better sacrifice to God, to trust in what God is telling to him, or he will give in to sin. And God knew. He said this, if you do not do well, sin lies at the door and its desire for you, but you should rule over it. And unfortunately, Cain fails the test. You know what he does? He gave, he gave in to his anger and he killed his brother, Abel. He again strayed away from God's path. That's the second test and he failed it. Fast forward a few chapters into the Bible, we see the story of Abraham and Sarah. Now, Abraham and Sarah were people of very great faith. Now, you read in the Bible, it says in Genesis chapter 12 from verse 1 to 3, Now the Lord has said to Abram, Get out of your country, from your family and from your father's house, to a land that I will show you. I will make you a great nation. I will bless you and make your name great. You shall be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and I will curse him who curses you. And in all the families of the earth, shall be blessed. And in you, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. I say Abraham is a man of great faith because Sarah at the time was barren. She could not have children. And God said, I will make a nation out of you. And Abraham was 75 at the time. And he said, okay, I will trust in you. God chose Abraham and Abraham took his wife and his nephew. They obeyed God and then left. And they embarked on this faith journey. So along the way, God wants to make a great nation through Abraham. And there are several tests that he passes through. And the first one was when he goes into Egypt. So when he goes into Egypt, he looks at his wife, Sarah, and he says, look, I know when we go into Egypt, they're going to look at you. And when they see your beauty, the king is going to want to take you for himself. I find this story, let me just pause for a second. I find this story interesting because Abraham was 75 at the time. That means Sarah was 65 
And she was that beautiful that Abraham was worried to say that when they see you, and it's true, it's true. Read the Bible. When the king, when, when she entered Egypt, the people that saw her first, they're like, my gosh, we need to tell the king. And they went and told, the, there's this woman, Jesus. Well, they, Jesus wasn't born at the time, but I'm just reenacting. Like, there's this woman. Hey. And the king took Sarah as his wife. And Abraham lied to say, this is my sister. She's not my wife. Because he was afraid that they would kill her. And they strayed away from God's path. The king took Sarah as his wife, and Abraham was given many riches um, at the time. So he lied to protect himself. The second test that they failed, they were supposed to wait on the Lord for the child that God had promised them. But then Sarah said, I give you my slave, Hagar. And you see, I'm tired of waiting. You can have a child with Hagar. And then Abraham went off and had a child with Hagar. We'll not say the name of that child. Um, <laughs> But we'll skip over that part. We'll not say the name of that child. So, uh uh, no, no, no. <laughs> so he went and had this child um, with Hagar, straying away from God's path. And after they had the child with Hagar, it got to a point where Sarah became abusive towards Hagar. The relationship, it became so sour that Hagar had to flee from the house. And they were straying away from God's path. And then God said, okay, I'm going to give Abraham one last chance. I've made a promise to him to make him a great nation. I need to test him finally. So the final test that Abraham faces is after God gave, gave him his son, Isaac. Finally, he has this son and God tells him, take that son of yours that you have waited for 25 years. So from the time God made him a promise, he was 75 years old and he was about 100 years old when he finally had Isaac. He waited 25 years and God said, take that son that you have been waiting for and offer him as a sacrifice to me. And Abraham passed this test because he said, yes, Lord. He took him up on the mountain and he said, I will trust in your wisdom. I will offer up this son that you have given me as a sacrifice. And Abraham passed that test. And in that moment, God came through. An angel came down from heaven and then they offered them a sacrifice which was made to the Lord. He obeyed him. He said, yes, I will trust in you. We fast forward a few chapters into the Bible and you see the story of Joseph. Another very, very interesting story. And Joseph, you see, at a young age, Joseph was, was, was promised greatness. He saw through dreams, God spoke to him and said, you're going to be a great man. You're going to be a ruler. And then, I don't know if this was very wise of Joseph. He went and started telling his brothers, you will be bowing, you see, you, you, you be, Judah, you, you'll be bowing down to me. And this angered them very much. Say, how are we going to be bowing down to you, you little boy? And it got to a point where they sold them to, I won't say who they sold him to. <laughs> it was the Ishmaelites. I don't know why the name Ishmael is very controversial in the Bible. But it's fine, it's fine. He was sold into slavery to the Ishmaelites at the very tender age of 17. When he was sold into slavery, he was in Potiphar's house. And when he was in Potiphar's house, God was with him. God was with Joseph. And he faced a test. The wife of Potiphar saw Joseph. He was this very, he was well built. He was a handsome young man. And she kept saying, can you sleep with me? I want you to sleep with me. And Joseph refused to say no. And I find this part very interesting. So Joseph says, to Potiphar's wife, to say, Potiphar has placed me in charge of everything in your house. He has entrusted me with everything. There is nothing that I do not have access to except from you. 
because you are his wife. And then the next part, when he refuses to sleep with her, he says, I cannot sin against my God. He didn't say, I cannot, I don't want to disappoint my master Potiphar. For him, his trust was in God. When he was tested, he stood on God's wisdom to say, no, I will not sin against my God. He was then thrown into jail and confined. And then you begin thinking now, say, Lord, you promised me this through these dreams. You said I'm going to be a great ruler. But then look at how his life, he's, turned in, he's, he's sold into slavery. And then he's thrown in jail um, a few years later. His period of testing and panel beating lasted 13 years. 13 years. Throughout those 13 years, each time Joseph was faced with a trial and a test, he said, I will stand on your wisdom, Lord. He passed every test up until a point where he was lifted to the second position in all of Egypt. In all of Egypt because he stood on God's wisdom. And then you fast forward and you have the story of the Israelites. One of the most notorious groups in the Bible that were freed when they were freed from uh, Egypt. So you see, God tested the Israelites on several occasions. Now, an interesting part of this story is when it comes to testing. So testing, I've said that all of us as believers are going to face it. Whether we like it or not, whether we're prepared for it or not, we're going to face different tests and trials. Now, testing is not a prerequisite for God's salvation. God took the Israelites out of Egypt even before they were tested. So in this story, you see that testing is not a prerequisite for salvation. Let's not mix those two up. Despite Abraham failing several times along the path, God still made a great nation through him. And with the story of the Israelites, on several occasions, they were disobedient to God. Now you see, the Israelites saw God's glory. They saw the ten plagues in Egypt. They saw each and every one of them, one by one, from the first to the tenth plague in Egypt. They saw God split the sea open and they walked on dry land. They saw God's glory and then when they were in the desert, because they were hungry, I'm not making this up. This is word for word what the Bible said. We wish the Lord had killed us in Egypt because they've brought us here to stop. We wish the Lord had killed us in Egypt. Check Exodus chapter 16. You'll find it there. They were disobedient. God performed several miracles and they, they had the opportunity to trust in God's faith. But on several occasions, they keep falling. They kept on falling and falling. They blamed God. They didn't trust God. They were not loyal and they failed the test. And then now brings us now to a point I want to speak to on Jesus. Now, it brings us to the story of Jesus. So God promises someone who's going to live a life that is blameless. Now, why is the story of Jesus important when it comes to testing? So you see, God's number one priority is to show his glory through us. He created us as human beings to reflect his glory. We've seen all throughout the, the, the Old Testament that because of our sin, we have fallen short of God's glory. So God sent his son, Jesus, the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation, through his life of perfect obedience, his sacrificial death on the cross for our sins, and his resurrection from the dead. Jesus begins to restore the fullness of God's image through us in our lives. Jesus came and he showed us what it looks like if we pass the test, if we trust in God, if we don't stray away from his will and purpose for our lives. You see, Jesus understands every weakness of ours because he was tempted in every way that we are, but he did not sin. 
You see, if you read from Matthew chapter 4 and verse 1, it says the Holy Spirit led Jesus into the desert so that the devil could test him. Jesus was taken to the devil, was taken to the desert to be tested. In his time of testing, he had fasted for 40 days and 40 nights. He was weak. I don't know how many of us have fasted before, but you know that you become weak. And that is when the devil decided to target him. He tested him. He came for him. But Jesus stood strong with each and every test. He tested him. If you are the son of God, turn turn these rocks into bread. Jesus responded with scripture. If you are the son of God, jump and receive the angels who catch you. Jesus responded with scripture, do not test the Lord your God. He showed him this vast field with, with uh, the English is escaping me. <laughs> he showed him this place and he said, if you bow down and worship me, I will give you all of this. But Jesus rebuked him. He passed the test in the, in the desert. With the strength of the Holy Spirit and the angels by his side, he said, I will trust in God's wisdom. I will trust in God's word. He showed us what, it li- what it's like to pass the test. And then the second part is in the Garden of Gethsemane. In the Garden of Gethsemane, Jesus had come with his disciples. And he at some point stopped and he took Peter, James, and John with him. And he told them, I am so sad to the point of death. Jesus knew the test that was coming his way. He was so sad to the point of death. He got to a point where he knelt down and prayed. And he said, Father, if it is possible, let this cup pass from me. But not your will, not my will, but your will be done. He came back to his disciples trying to get them to pray. They were sleeping. They were, they were busy sleeping. And he's like, wake up. Can you not watch and pray with me? Could you just stay up and pray with me in this time of need? Jesus was going through a difficult period. He could foresee what was going to happen to him. He was sad to the point of death. And he was praying. He went back again. He went down on his knees, face to the ground. Lord, if it is possible, let this cup pass from me. But not my will, but your will be done. He went back to his disciples. Guys, wake up. Can you not pray with me? And he even spoke to Peter. He said, Peter, maybe if you pray with me, you will pass your test. Because Peter went on and denied Jesus three times. And Jesus could see that. Say, maybe if you stay away, you can pass your test. But we know how that went. Peter did not. He went back to sleep again. And for a third time, the Lord Jesus Christ went back. He went on his knees and he prayed to God. Lord, if it is possible, let this cup Pass away from me, but not my will, but your will be done. You see, after all of this, when they came to take him, what did Jesus say? He did not run away. Jesus knew they were coming. Jesus knew that he was going to be betrayed. Jesus knew exactly what was going to happen to him. He did not run away. He did not go off on his own path. He could have. We don't know what would have happened if he did. He said, okay, no, I know these guys are going to come and get me from here. Let's take this path. I can maybe start a new life in Egypt. I can start miracles there. But no, he didn't do that. He stayed on God's path. When they came, he said, let us be going. My betrayer is at hand. Jesus showed us what it's like to pass the test. Jesus was sad. Jesus was sad to the point of death. 
Jesus had a heavy heart. He knew what was coming his way, but he stood on God's wisdom to say, Lord, I'm going through pain. Lord, I don't know how I'm going to do this, but not my will, but your will be done. Jesus stood on God's wisdom and he passed the ultimate test. When Jesus offered his own life as a sacrifice, it covered for all of the tests that were failed in the past. All throughout the Old Testament, all the tests that were failed, he covered for them and for all of humanity. He passed the ultimate test on our behalf. Now, this doesn't mean that because Jesus has passed the test on our behalf, we are not going to pass through tests. We as believers are still going to pass through tests. We are going to go through trials. And when we face those trials, they may be difficult. They may be painful. But we can triumph over them because we know that we trust in God. In James from chapter 1 and verse 2 and verse 3, My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience. You see, when we're tested, being tested makes us more and more like God. We lean into him. More grace is poured onto us when we are tested. When we are tested, our faith is refined and strengthened. Our character is built. Our relationship with God is deepened. And you see, let me assure you of this. Throughout every test that has happened in the Bible, it may not feel like it when we're thinking of it in the physical world, but... We have a spiritual resource at our disposal. We have God there with us in every step of the way. Do not worry and question. Say, God, are you with me? He is there with you. Trust that the Holy Spirit is there with you. He's there to strengthen you. When you look at Moses, Moses, God was there with Moses as he led the Israelites out of Egypt. The Israelites themselves, despite their constant disobedience, God was there. He provided for them. In the life of Jesus, throughout every miracle that he performed, throughout the tests that he performed, you see that the Holy Spirit, God was there with him at every point. You may not feel like it at the time of your testing and trial, but trust and have faith that God is there with you. So you see, when we're going through our tests, you begin asking questions. Are you going to live by God's wisdom to say, I will trust in God? Or are you going to stray off on your own path? Are you going to let your sin rule over you? Or you will rule over your sins. You will tell the devil no. And, I will, and you will stand on God's wisdom. Are you going to partner with God to bear his image in the world? Or are we going to live on our very own? You see, when tests come our way, are we going to stand on God's faith saying, God, I know that you have a plan for me. Say, Lord, I've been praying for this job. I'm tired. I keep on praying. But I know you have a plan for me. I will continue standing on your word. I will continue believing your promises for me. Lord, this sickness is weighing me down. Lord, I'm in pain constantly. I have been praying, but I'm not seeing a change. But I will trust on your word that says, by your stripes, I am healed. I will not falter. I will not waver away. I will not stray away from you. I will continue believing that by your stripes, I am healed. Say, Lord... I've been given responsibilities. I don't know how I'm going to go through this. I will trust you to guide me through this. I trust that you will go before me. Lord, I did nothing wrong and I lost my job. I'm trusting that you have a plan and purpose for me. You see, in the Bible when we read from 1 Peter chapter 1 and verse 7, it says, Your faith 
will be like gold that has been tested in a fire. And these trials will prove that your faith is worth much more than gold that can be destroyed. They will show you that you will be given praise and honor and glory when Jesus Christ returns. Let your faith stand strong. Let your faith pass the test of fire. Stand in faith believing in Jesus. Everything that he has spoken over your life, trust, believe, knowing that it is true. Trust and believe that God is there with you when you're going through your trials. Trust and believe that the Holy Spirit is there for you despite whatever it is that you're going through. Trust and know that he is there with you.